In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, You who are everywhere present and fill all things, Treasury of all that is good, Master of life, Come, dwell within us, Cleanse us from all stain, And save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, Pray for us. Amen. Well, today, in these two sessions, we're going to finish the letter to the Romans. And then next time we film, uh, I'm going to do, start the first letter of John, which is so beautiful, as is this beautiful letter that we've been reading. In chapter 15, Paul returns to some themes that he's already mentioned before. They seem to preoccupy him. The guys who are in, you know, we know it doesn't make any difference if you eat pork or not. You know, and people, I brought up my whole life never to touch pork. If I eat it, it's going to offend my conscience. Ah, you're weak, you know. Uh, not necessarily. So, he says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not just please ourselves. Just think of what's involved in that statement. Knowing who you're with. Knowing when you're in the parish church for Mass. You know, are you behaving in a way that builds up other people? Or are you thinking, oh, it doesn't make any difference, and then and shocking some people. Oh, they shouldn't be shocked. Sometimes they shouldn't. Depends on what you're talking about. But we who are strong, if you're strong, then you're humble. And if you're humble, you care about others. So that's how he's starting. And you can see, this is a theme that Paul has been on uh, for several chapters now. Life in the community. And the tension in this particular Roman community between those who are enlightened and those who have to eat special foods and keep special diets and have special observances and so forth. So he says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. In how many ways? You could think of many, couldn't you? Jesus was a Galilean. That meant he spoke Aramaic with a hick accent, according to the people in the South. And so, he didn't say, I'm the Son of God, I'm going to have a perfectly, you know, uh, sophisticated accent. No. You see? And that's a tiny example. The reproaches of those, you see? Uh, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. The Scriptures, by that time, of course, the Scriptures are still just the Old Testament. When he's writing Romans, there's no New Testament. Things are beginning to be collected a bit, but there's no... Uh, there's no New Testament. He's saying this, you see, 
of whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope if we're abiding by the word of God and steadfast we have hope we know where God's leading us and we're letting him lead with the peace the security that comes from that Uh, you see May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many times has that happened at a parish mass? People are still, they have resentments, they don't like Mrs. Jones or they don't like so-and-so and they're not there to worship God and to build up brotherhood and sisterhood. They're there to go to Mass, punch the clock, and go home. I'm safe. It's not enough. We're there to worship God and to build up one another. And the quicker we catch on to that, the quicker the world will understand who we are and want to join us. If we're dogmatically correct, everybody else is wrong but us. Okay, fine. But if we don't care for each other, what difference does it make? You see what a challenge it is when we're at uh, Sunday Mass? I'm not saying, oh, wave to everybody and, you know, but do you care for the people there? Do you go out of your way to talk? I love it. Uh, in the parish where I help out, lots of people after Mass, they all stand out in front on the esplanade and talk for a long time. They build one another up. It's the outgrowth of the power of the Eucharist. It's the Eucharist at work in them, you know, giving kindness and consideration and, you know, know, complimenting the children and complimenting the parents for their children and talking about there's love, very simple human love, but it's there, you see. Um, Welcome one another. I'm just quoting Paul now. Welcome one another. Therefore, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Suppose there's somebody down the block and you don't get on well with them, but you're both Catholics. I don't know whether the Lord's impressed with your Catholicism, but there you are. Can you reach out? Can you say, hello, Joe, how are you? How's your golf game? Anything. Make a human contact in Christ. I've told you this beautiful story several times, but I'll tell you once again. I know a couple, homeschoolers, oh, six, maybe eight kids, I don't know how many, lots. And they had a neighbor who was a crotchety kind of a fellow, you know, kind of ugly. And they used to reach out to him. They bring over, they brought over a cake once, and he said, keep it, close the door. They kept at it. Finally, to just simple greeting and maybe bring some cookies over once in a while. Now he waves from across the street. Hello, hello. They've changed that poor man from being a Scrooge into being a human being by the grace of Christ. You see? So you see, um, that's what Paul is getting at. I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness. What does that mean? 
He promised and he fulfilled. I will bring from your people the Messiah of the world. And he did. In order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, you see, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, rejoice, O Gentiles. With you see, when Paul starts to give exhortation, the scriptures just come out of him. You know? That's beautiful. I told you before, this might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's colorful. Up at the Carpathian Mountains years ago, the old men of the book, they would be reading the Bible, the Tanakh. And there was this, one of these beautiful, exaggerated, poetic saying, if you were to lean over his shoulder and put a pin through a letter on this side of the page, he could tell you what letter it went through on the other side of the page. That's how well they know the Bible. So when Paul is uh, talking now, it's instinct. He doesn't have a Bible there. He has in, what, uh, let me look up in a concordance what would be a good remark to put here. <laughs> he doesn't have to do that, you know. Uh, and then Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, and he who rises to rule the Gentiles. Paul still has this tension between Jew and Gentile in Rome on his mind, you see. And so he says this. Um, I myself am satisfied about you, my brethren, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. That's the no person who knows how to be gracious, right? But, the next word, on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of uh, reminder because of the grace given to me by God. I got to. When a priest is standing up there preaching, and he knows that there's people practicing birth control, he's got to say something. Or the Lord is going to say to him, how come you didn't warn them? Or everybody's, you know, really selfish and not helping. The priest has got to say something. Like as Paul is saying here, you see. Uh, in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. He's not an egomaniac, but he's saying... I look at what I've done and I'm glad that I've done this for the Lord, you see. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has wrought through me to win obedience from the Gentiles by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and as far round as Illyricum, that's Yugoslavia, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, thus making it my ambition to preach the gospel or my boast, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on another man's foundations. And he goes on. His policy was to go where nobody had ever been before, sometimes not even knowing the language. You see, this is how he's concluding uh, his letter to the Romans, you see. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain to be sped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a little. At present, I'm going to Jerusalem with aid for the saints. He's telling everybody his plans, right? Don't get nervous, you know. I'm not pulling a fast one. I do have money, but it's for the poor in Jerusalem because that's the mother church, you see? Uh, okay. They were pleased to do it, 
You see, I, I got this collection from everybody. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they are in debt to them, for the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing. They ought to also be of service to them in material blessing. See how Paul says, they went out of their way and shared the faith with you and the knowledge of the Messiah. Well then, you know, to buy their kids a new toy, not a bad idea. You see? Uh, the Jews are much more practical with money than we are. Yeah. Wherefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been raised. I shall go on by way of you to Spain. This never happened, of course. And I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Those are the Jews who hate him because in their mind they're disrupting the whole Jewish religion so that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, to the holy ones in Jerusalem. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. And that's how Paul, that's how the editor ends chapter 15. We have chapter 16 to look at, which will be much of the same thing. But can you catch a glimpse of Paul? I'm telling these are my plans, folks. This is what I want to do. And now this is where I'm going to go. I'm here. I'm going to go over to uh, Jerusalem and bring the money for the famine and the Christians who have been thrown out of their homes for being Christians. And then I'm going to come over to Spain to preach. I'm going right through Rome so I can visit you. Amen. <laughs>